The two main questions I'd like to look at this afternoon are about uh, a little bit of an exploration around dependent origination and delusion. And both of these came up actually within, I think, the first two days of the retreat. And I felt like I wanted to wait (laughs) to talk about them. So um, actually, in looking back over these, uh, my notes about these two topics, I thought, oh, this is good because we've talked about so many of the pieces of both of these. And I think given some of the context we already have and what our um, discussions have been, I'm hoping that it'll, it'll be um, kind of somewhat easier in a way to understand and to explore with you. So um, this will kind of be a whirlwind tour through dependent origination. <laughs> Those of you who are, um, yeah, I think most of you are aware of this teaching of basically it's the, uh, the Buddha's very detailed description, cause and effect description of how suffering comes to be. And there are 12 links in this chain, uh, this cycle. It's actually a, a wheel. It's often talked about as being either the wheel of suffering or the wheel of becoming. So that's, that's a lot of links to talk about, and I'm going to try to do this in less than half an hour. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, one of the things I think is interesting about dependent origination, um, the Buddha talked about it as the middle teaching. He said that, he, in one sutta, he said that the the world tends to be caught in either... Um, either by existence or non-existence. And he says, when we see things rightly, when we see the arising of things rightly, the notion of non-existence doesn't even occur to us. And we see things ending rightly, the notion of existence doesn't even occur to us. And he says that the, the understanding, the teaching in the middle between these two a poles of kind of the belief in existence or non-existence or the kind of orientation around existence or non-existence is this teaching on dependent origination. When this exists, that exists. When this ceases, that ceases. So my understanding is that this teaching of dependent origination is a teaching not a practice. We don't practice dependent origination. We experience the uh, unfolding of dependent origination when we're caught in suffering. So my understanding of dependent origination is that it's a description of how suffering comes to be. So being a very clear description of that, um, a couple of pieces that, you know, why, why is this interesting to, uh, to talk about? 
One is that it very clearly describes uh, suffering, the arising of suffering, as a conditioned phenomenon. It comes about through causes and conditions. And if those conditions are no longer present, suffering no longer comes to be. So suffering is a conditioned phenomenon. It's not... uh, it doesn't have to come to be. It's not. It's not. It's not um, hardwired. <laughs> the other interesting piece I think about this teaching is that it really clearly puts the arising of suffering firmly into the camp of caused by forces in the mind. So, forces in the mind cause suffering. Actually, this is such good news. (laughs) 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 Forces in the mind can undo it. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) So, it's created by forces in the mind and... uh, It's mostly unseen forces that create suffering. Ignorance is the primary driving force behind suffering. So, you know, what we've been learning here um, wise view, cultivating wisdom, cultivating awareness. Wisdom and awareness are the key uh, tools that help to have this chain fall apart, a redirection of our minds towards wisdom and, uh, and awareness. We'll unwind this chain, break this chain. Another thing in terms of this uh, teaching, seeing the causes and conditions around the arising of suffering, is that um, in seeing the cause and effect relationship about how suffering comes to be, we really clearly see it as an impersonal process. So... um, we so we so identify with our suffering. We it, we take it so personally, and as we see this chain in our experience, we can actually see this this uh, cycle of these links working in our experience. And when we see that, it begins to undermine our um, um, taking it so personally because we see it's just a, it's just phenomena. It's just Causes and conditions. Ignorance conditions the arising of craving, setting this whole chain into motion. So, the 12 links. I'm just going to state them right now, and then we'll go through them a little bit. This is the classic order in which they're given. 
And I think it's really appropriate that the chain, uh, the Buddha says, this chain begins with ignorance. Ignorance is the, whole, the, the, the thing out of which this whole thing springs. So ignorance conditions mental formations, volitional formations. Volitional formations conditions consciousness. Consciousness conditions our mental and physical processes. The uh, Pali for this is nama rupa, sometimes translated as name and form, materiality, mentality, mind and matter. So body and mind. Consciousness conditions body and mind. Uh, With body and mind as a condition, there are our six sense spaces, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, and our mind. Having those sense spaces, there's contact. With contact, there's feeling, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. With feeling, there is a tendency, feeling, the, the the condition of feeling conditions the arising of craving, wanting something, wanting to get rid of something. Craving conditions the arising of clinging. Clinging conditions the arising of um, becoming, identification, movement towards mm, me. Uh, becoming conditions birth. Birth conditions old age and death. And the, quote, the Buddha says, the entire mass of suffering. This chain, these 12 links, are often described as uh, a cyclic pattern so that that suffering that arises uh, reconditions then kind of feeds back into Ignorance. And so, with suffering as a condition, ignorance arises, and we just end up kind of stuck in this cycle. So, this um, chain, a couple of words about the, before going into the links in a little more. Uh, detail describing how we might see them, experience them, get to know them in our in our practice, because this is what I understand the part of the point of the teaching is it's not we don't practice dependent origination, but we can witness how this chain unfolds, and that witnessing helps us to gain wisdom, which helps to break the chain. So um, this teaching of dependent origination is, is talked about in two ways in the texts. It's talked about as a description of how craving conditions um, kind of ongoing cycle of existence into rebirth. And that the the words used for some of the links emphasize this or, you know, kind of uh, indicate 
or are seen to support this understanding of kind of the how craving in this life leads us on to the next life and the main the main link of uh, birth <laughs> birth into a new life it's also understood in the texts as being a description of how suffering comes to be in the moment so it is it is understood in both ways in that case the the word for birth the word the, the birth is understood as birth into an identity birth into a sense of self so this second perspective um is the one that i uh resonate most fully with um i have no uh personal experience with rebirth and can't really you know uh explore that in my direct experience and yet the uh the moment to moment unfolding i've seen at least portions of this unfolding in my uh practice and it has been incredibly helpful on that moment to moment way to see oh, suffering suffering being conditioned suffering being created based on these processes that the buddha described so clearly so that's the way i'll mostly speak about it uh, is this um how it how it applies moment to moment how we can see this happening in our direct experience so i find it most helpful to begin a description of this um these links uh in the middle actually with i think the fourth link or so because at that point uh, you know it's talking about we have a mind and a body and sense bases and you know that's pretty easy to connect with so let's start there we'll start there so we have a body and a mind and we have these senses because these senses are functioning with consciousness there's contact contact form meets i i said we kind of talked about this the other day when i talked about papancha the the you know the description of how papancha is created is a kind of an alternate version of a cycle of how uh our minds wind itself into suffering uh a different a different uh description a different uh, way through this terrain that we're going to talk about today so we have the contact with our senses and um the next link so there's the contact and the next link is with con- with contact as a condition feeling arises so there's impingement on our senses and it's pleasant it's unpleasant it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant they're just very simple you know very basic pleasant unpleasant neutral an aspect of every single moment of sense experience whether of body or mind is that it's pleasant unpleasant neither pleasant nor unpleasant based on this feeling tone and this is kind of our mind and body doing its thing you know uh the um 
the the mind and body. I mean, this is like you think of the organism, right? It, the organism has these sense organs, and it meets the world. And this pleasant, unpleasant, neutral is part of the sense or the sense uh, organs way and the being's way to uh, navigate the world. So it's kind of just a natural. Makes a lot of sense. We have this process going of creation of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Based on that uh, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, we tend to like the pleasant, want more of it. We tend to not like the unpleasant, want to get rid of it. The neutral, we may just not even notice, may just space out around that. So this is Basically, because of this uh, feeling tone, the, the, it tends to lead towards wanting, craving. Now, one thing I'll say here is that it is the simultaneous existence in this contact and feeling, the simultaneous existence of ignorance that has the uh, condition, the conditionality of leading from feeling to craving. It's the existence of ignorance in that feeling that that makes it lead to craving. And this is one thing I think about the the term, another term for this chain of of dependent origination, is dependent co-arising. Paticca sam upada. So paticca dependent. Sam basically means with or together. Uh, upada means arising. So basically, this, um, I really see that the main co arising thing that leads to suffering it's ignorance. Every moment in this chain, ignorance is propelling it along. So, wanting, kind of like a simple automatic machine, pleasant, like it more, unpleasant, no, go away. This, um, again, with ignorance in the craving, with ignorance co-arising with the craving, um, we act on that wanting and not wanting. It leads us to do something, to try to get what we want, get rid of what we don't want. This leads us, this action of uh, going from wanting to having, (laughs) or from not wanting to actively pushing away. This is the uh, terrain of clinging, the next link in the chain. Craving conditions, clinging. Craving, inherently, in a way, containing the ignorance. But in the moment, this is foreshadowing something I'm going to say in a moment, but um, in the moment of craving arising, it can be known as a phenomenon as an object, and that brings wisdom, 
which means it doesn't have to lead to clinging. When we bring, when wisdom is present, when mindfulness and wisdom see clearly the craving, the force of of ignorance in the craving itself is kind of disabled and doesn't necessarily have to lead to clinging. So, clinging. Oh, one thing I'll say, this is a great uh, way to distinguish or understand the distinction between craving and and clinging. Bhikkhu Bodhi uses this analogy. He says... um, that I mean, there's there's like a continuum between craving and clinging, but um, the energy of craving is the energy of a thief who's reaching out to steal something, and the energy of clinging is when that thief has picked it up and taken possession of it. So there's the, there's a distinction in the you know the energy of that. It's the the reaching towards or the latching onto. So once we have latched onto an object, our intentions, our actions. rally in the service of that clinging in order to produce things or control things. So this is becoming. It's a complex process of behavior generated to serve the clinging. I was listening to a talk by Ajahn Amaro on one retreat, and and he, he was he was going through this cycle of dependent origination. He came to this point, and he he said, and I, this is stuck in my mind. He said, "We like becoming. It feels good to have the sense of yeah, I know what to do. I'm in control. That that sense of becoming is that sense of yes, my actions can do what I want them to do. You know, so that that's that that movement towards uh, control. It's like the promise of control, the intentions towards." I guess the intention towards I can't think of the word <laughs> the intention towards being so this this next link is birth the intention towards I am so some kind of an identity that the it's it's like the, the the becoming it's in a similar way between becoming and birth there's a kind of continuum between becoming and birth kind of like there is between wanting and uh between craving and clinging that uh it's like craving is the intention to pick something up 
and the clinging is the picking up. Becoming is the intention towards identification. And the birth is the identification. So that example uh, I gave the other night around um, seeing that intention arising that was just propelling me in the direction of jumping on that thought and getting more thoughts to get angry. That was like the intention towards becoming angry. That's, that's that movement. And that movement was being clearly seen. I was like, no, I'm not going to go that way. So that's how I understand becoming. Another thought that just came into my mind around, um, around becoming um, on one retreat, I was exploring a lot of uh, around anger. There was a situation on the retreat that had generated anger and a person um, that I saw routinely uh, that was triggering that. And uh, any time the thought of this person came to my mind, the anger would come. And um, what one thing that was so surprising to me was the very initial impulse you know, as I saw this, you know, over and over again, mostly I experienced anger as really unpleasant. The birth into the identity of the angry one, that was suffering. But there was a moment right at the beginning of the pattern beginning to arise that it felt good. <laughs> It was like, you know, b- b- anger Anger tends to feel like pressure and heat, uh, unpleasant pressure and heat. It can if you're actually paying attention to it. But there was a moment right before it really quickly spun into pressure and heat that it was full and warm, and it was just life. It felt good. And it's kind of like, I think of that as the becoming place. We like becoming. Like, yes, this is the direction. This, this is going to solve my problems. This is the answer. That's becoming. Then quickly, you know, we discover answers aren't so forthcoming. <laughs> so following on from becoming is birth and identification, some kind of sense of me or mine. So it might take a kind of a form of, you know, um, you know, this is my thing, my cushion, my cup, my chair, you know, identification with an object. Or it might take a subtler form of, of who I am. You know, I am the kind of person who does things right. So another interesting um, aspect of this teaching around dependent origination and I'm not going to do this in half an hour. Sorry about that. <laughs> Another interesting uh, piece, in, piece around this teaching of dependent origination is um, that the description of it being the way suffering is created is one way to look at the chain of dependent origination. But this this pointer, and, and, and that's kind of where the chain ends, right? It lands us up at the end in suffering. 
But at this point, it is landing us in identification. It's landing us in selfing. So this chain of dependent origination is also a description of how selfing happens. How the creation of identity happens. And I will talk about selfing and not self in a few days. I will I will cover that. We'll cover this terrain from that perspective in a few days. So this um this chain one of the things I find interesting about it is the description of how suffering cre- is created and the description of how selfing is created is identical. It's the same process. And so, you know, sometimes people are all interested in, well, how do I, how do I study, you know, how do I see selfing? And you can sometimes see that. And sometimes it's really clear, the birth of identity. And, you know, that... that that uh, famous quote of Dogen's, I think I said the other day, you know, to study the way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To to forget the self is to be enlightened by the 10,000 things. And we think, well, okay, let me study the self. Well, this teaching tells us, great way to study the self, study your suffering. It's the same process. So if you're noticing how you're suffering, you're noticing suffering, you're exploring suffering, you're already exploring the process of selfing. You don't have to add a layer of how am I identifying here or where's the self in this. Just study the suffering if that's what's obvious. Study the process of how suffering is created. So this kind of gives you perhaps a flavor of this chain, how it unfolds. And uh, there's three links left, the, the kind of beginning of the chain. So I would go back to that. Um, but first, a reminder, you know, because it's cyclic, we've, we've landed in suffering at the end of this chain. It's cyclic, so that uh, suffering tends to condition ignorance. Tends to condition ignorance. Does not have to condition ignorance. Again, if wisdom sees suffering, if ignorance is present or if uh, non-awareness is present in the arising of suffering it will condition further ignorance. So ignorance conditions further ignorance. If we are suffering and not clearly seeing it as suffering, as just a process arising in our minds, it will condition more ignorance. If we see suffering as an object, a process, with wisdom in the mix. It tends to lead in another direction entirely, and there's a whole different chain of, called transcendent dependent origination, that takes off from this point. That when wisdom is present, when wisdom sees suffering, it tends to condition faith. Tends to condition the... uh, when wisdom is present, being there's a kind of a, an understanding of a... Bhikkhu Bodhi says that the conditions for suffering to lead to faith are that um, there is awareness present and the, uh, the voice of another teaching proclaiming the possibility of freedom from suffering. So... 
it takes the wisdom teaching. That's the place where the, the wisdom teaching comes in. So that tends to condition uh, the chain heading in another direction, leading towards freedom. So wisdom being present with suffering, another way out of this chain. So, suffering tends to condition ignorance. Ignorance tends to condition our habits, our patterns. With ignorance as a condition, it says mental formations come to be. So, based on ignorance, our intentions... Our actions are formed about how we choose things, decide things, and these are our patterns. These are our habits. These patterns and habits, they kind of, again, propel us through the cycle. So, mental formations, you know, ignorance, conditioning, ment- uh, mental formations based in greed, based in aversion, based in delusion. All of those afflictive emotions, difficult states of mind. With mental formation as condition, consciousness comes to be. Now this one to me, this is the, this is those filters we've been talking about. And we've been exploring how our filters on experience change how we take in information. So the mental formations that are arising based on ignorance have us Recognizing some things, taking some things in, contacting some sense experience, not contacting other sense experience. It's that uh, gorilla on the basketball court. Not seen from that agenda. So ignorance conditions these unhelpful Ignorance conditions unhelpful patterns and habits based in greed, aversion, delusion. Greed, aversion, and delusion in turn condition how we take in information, how consciousness meets the world. So mental formations condition consciousness. Consciousness in turn conditions how uh, our mind and body is and what we're taking in conditions how our mind and body is. There's a teaching around this particular link, consciousness and mind and body. Um, It is... um, said in one description of this chain of dependent origination, the Buddha following the chain back and or actually it's supposed to have been the Buddha's uh, psychic recognition of how a previous Buddha understood dependent origination um, that um, mind and matter conditions consciousness and consciousness conditions mind and matter that they're just interplay between those two 
And, um, you know, when I think about it, that little piece, consciousness conditions mind and matter. Mind and matter conditions consciousness. You know, in mind and matter, mind and matter is the whole set of mind and body processes, including ignorance, including delusion, including um, greed, including aversion, including perception, including feeling. So right in that little loop, consciousness conditions mind and matter. Mind and matter conditions consciousness. It's like a little mini um, dependent origination right there. How our uh, perceptions are, how our... So mind and matter basically... Remember the teaching on the five aggregates that I gave, the five body and mind processes? Mind and matter and consciousness compri- comprise all of those processes, those, those two links of the chain. Consciousness is the consciousness li- uh, aggregate, and the mind and matter are the feeling, perception, mental formations, and body processes. So, perception, feeling, mental formations... Conditioned consciousness reconditions the other four aggregates. So right there, there's that. Lo- there's the loop. There's there's dependent origination right in that little interplay between consciousness and mind and matter. So we see, you know, when I first stepped through this chain. Um, we started with, oh, we've got a body, we've got sense organs, we take in experience, there's the contact, and contact has feeling, and whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, we leap off into craving. Uh, what this cycle shows us is that the um, mind and body are not starting from a neutral place, just taking things in, oh yes, there's contact, there's feeling. Mind and body are starting conditioned already with all kinds of agendas, attitudes, opinions, ideas, views, beliefs, uh, flavors of greed, aversion, delusion. And so, our contact is colored by all of this. Basically, the simplest way to look at the coloring of consciousness, is it colored by ignorance or is it colored by wisdom? Okay, this is going to be a single question. Yeah, I'm just going to, that's, you're not, we're not getting to delusion today. (laughs) Maybe I'll talk about that tomorrow morning. (laughs) That's a good way to start the day. So, I foreshadowed this a bit during the discussion on, uh, you know, ignorance and wisdom. Ignorance arising at every moment of the chain. Um, But I think, again, part of the power of this teaching is that the Buddha points to this being conditioned. You know, that it is not ordained that when feeling arising, craving has to follow, clinging has to follow, 
becoming, birth, suffering has to follow. It is conditioned. It is not locked into a uh, um, fatalistic, determinist, deterministic, that's the word I want to use. It's not locked into a deterministic process. There's always the possibility in the moment of wisdom arising and the chain beginning to fall apart. So, the main way to break the chain, bringing wisdom and awareness. Wisdom is the main piece that does the work of breaking the chain. There's often a... um, an emphasis on breaking the chain at the link around feeling. And that's, in fact, the Buddha emphasizes that. He talks a lot about attention to feeling. All over the discourses, he's talking about feeling. This is a really important place to pay attention. You know, that when we can bring our attention there, it begins to short-circuit the automatic movement to craving. But the Buddha did not say, this is the only place to break the chain. In fact, he said, in one discourse, and if you're interested in the reference, it's Majjama 9, the discourse on right view. In that discourse, he went through every single link of the chain and said, if you see ignorance, the causes of ignorance, the possibility of the cessation of ignorance and the path leading to the cessation of ignorance, ignorance will tend to fall away. For every single link in the chain, the Buddha says, the wisdom of understanding the Four Noble Truths can break it right there. Becoming is arising. Selfing is arising in the moment. Wisdom can break the chain right there. We don't have to only catch it at feeling. The wisdom of right view can break the chain at any of the links. And it's very interesting the the way it's said. It's like one understands um, craving. One understands the origin of craving. One understands the ending of craving. And one understands the path leading to the ending of craving. The the pattern sounds familiar. It is the Four Noble Truths. It's using the Four Noble Truths as a tool. Understanding suffering. Understanding the cause of suffering. Seeing the possibility for the ending of suffering. Seeing the path leading to that at any point in this chain. And there are these two key, there are two actually, I think, two key kind of weaker links in the chain. Many of the links happen so fast that, you know, uh, know, like the contact to feeling link, that's pretty, that's a pretty fast link. (laughs) You might be able to, to see the contact 
I don't, well, maybe once or twice I've seen the contact, but not the feeling, you know, I, but thank goodness, you know, anywhere we meet experience, you know, anywhere we meet our experience with wisdom, suffering can begin to come to an end. But there are some weak links in this chain, and feeling to craving is one of them. So if you, if you can, uh, if you are interested in exploring feeling, and this has been a huge part of my practice, it's really been a, a key place that I've explored, you know, the seeing how feeling leads on to craving, and then beginning to see feeling, you know, the wisdom that comes in when we see feeling leading to craving and see the consequences of that, that the mind begins to understand feeling is okay by itself. You know, it doesn't have to go anywhere. Yeah, feeling, feeling's fine. (laughs) The mind begins to understand that. Wisdom begins to understand. Feeling doesn't have to lead on. It seems to me that in in this link, this chain, um, you know, the the kind of... uh, there's a little bit more of a gap, perhaps, between feeling and craving than between some of these other links. And certainly, once we've gone into craving, once we've passed that gap, once we've passed the gap between feeling and craving, we will experience suffering. But that doesn't mean that we can't become free of that suffering through bringing wisdom to observing, understanding, recognizing that suffering. So the other, one of the other weak, weak links is the link between suffering and ignorance, the link at the beginning of the chain. And as I said a little while ago, that when uh, wisdom is brought to suffering, it leads off in this other direction towards this chain of transcendent dependent arising. Mm. And I think that's enough. for today. So let's just sit together. 